Today's daf is daf Kufiud Zayim, page 117 of We're in our last week. We're down the home stretch. Or Hashem. We're going to pick up from the Mishnah, three lines from the bottom of Kuftes Zayin Amad Beis, 116b. Okay? At the Mishnah. Let me know when everybody's got the place. Zok the Mishnah. Here we go. Beishami and Beishami says, Tinosei Vesitol Ksuvasa. When we allow... Uh, and, and we trust a woman to tell us that her husband died, the halacha is, not only is she permitted to remarry, but she's even allowed to collect her ksuba. Okay? Now, the, uh, the, the ability to remarry has to do with isr, has to do with transgression. The ability to, con- to collect her ksuba has to do with financial matters. Says Beishamai, if we are believing her, and this is very important to, to uh, establish like this, if we're believing her to tell us that, that her husband's dead, not only, it's, it applies both with Isser as well as financial matters. It's both. Now we're going to see soon why. Basila and Basila says no. We allow her to remarry because of the leniency of Aguna. However, do we know really? That when it comes to financial matters, there's a full trustworthiness? No. So what we do is like this. We release her from the possibility of Aguna. We allow her to remarry, but to collect her ksuva when it comes to financial matters, says Basilo, at least at this moment, nothing doing. She's not allowed to collect her ksuva. And this is such a beautiful Mishnah because the Mishnah lets us in on the shakla batari, the back, the conversation between Basilo and Beishamai. So listen to this. Beishamai says to Basilo, who does not allow the collection of the ksuva, they say like this. He tartem Evrachamura, you're allowing a severe transgression to be released by allowing a married woman to be considered not married. When it comes to finances, all of a sudden you're being so religious. No, you can't. No, you can't take money. Like money, you need more of a testimony than than a transgression. What does that mean? Says Bishamai. So this is what Bishol says. Bishol says, no, chas v'shalom. Omelem Bishol, Bishol says, it's not that we consider money more important than Isr v'heter, but rather, matzinu, we find, top of today's daf, she'ein ha'achim nechnosim l'nach la'opiyah. That if a woman comes and says that her husband died, the brothers of that husband do not inherit him automatically. So says Bishol to Bishamai, it's not that financial matters are more important, it's just that, when it comes to the brothers inheriting, we find that even though we're allowing her to remarry based upon her own testimony, it's not impacting financial matters. It's just the way it works, says Beis Hillel. That's just a matter of, of the way it works. Financial matters, two witnesses. When it comes to remarrying, leniency of trusting her. So, so that's Beis Hillel's response. Listen to what Bishamai says. Omelem Bishamai. Bishamai says, okay. You know what? We actually may possibly agree. We, we don't know whether Bishamai agrees with that logic, but Bishamai says like this. To Basilo, don't compare the laws of husbands, uh, of brothers inheriting the husband to her collecting her suba. I'll tell you why. Says Bishamai, a beautiful diuk, a beautiful inference. You have to look at the verbiage at the words that are used inside of a ksuba. Now this, by the way, this halacha is going to apply whether or not they actually use the words, these exact words in the ksuba, because it applies no matter what when it comes to ksuba. And what is? The words in the ksuba work like this. The husband writes to the wife, 
at whatever time you're permitted to remarry, that is when you collect the ksuba. End of story, says Bishamai. So if that's what the husband wrote, and the halacha in this circumstance happens to be, she's allowed to remarry, automatically the ksuba goes hand in hand, which maybe would be different than the brothers. Maybe the brothers, that's a whole different area of financial matters, and there might be a difference between allowing her to be released and, and them inheriting. However, when it comes to her ksuba specifically, says Bishamai, where within the whole original agreement is, whatever time you can remarry, you get that money, Therefore, she gets the ksuba, no matter what. That is Beishamai's response. And guess what happens? Beishillel says, you're right, we're wrong. Beautiful limud. The chazru, Beishillel backed off. And they ultimately agreed with the ruling of Beishamai that at whatever time the woman is permitted to remarry, she actually does have the right to collect her ksuba. Zok the Gemara says the Gemara. Omer of Chizr of Chizr says Nisyavma. Let's say she testified that her husband died, and then the husband's brother they were childless. The husband's brother did yibum on her. The yavam. Not only does she get her ksuba, but the, the um, not for, hold off on the ksuba for a minute. The same way she gets her ksuba, so too the husband takes possession of the supposed dead brother's estate. Because he already did Yibam, and that's what happens at the time of Yibam. Now, Haim Darshu Midrash Ksuba, Bishamai is looking at the language of the Ksuba, Anulay Nidrash Midrash Taira, and if you're going to darshan words in the Ksuba, how much more so should you darshan words in the Taira? Yakum Al Shem the Taira says he should establish his brother's name, Bahare Kam, and that's what he did. And therefore, says the Gemara, beautiful concept, which is, if you're going to look at the words of Aksuba and say that was the previously arranged agreement, well, then you have to look at the Torah too and say that's the previously arranged agreement, which is as soon as the brother does Yibam, he takes, at, he takes hold of the supposed dead brother's estate. Okay, so this is interesting. Let's hold up. Let, let, let's pause and take a breath and, and get an overview. What's happening now? A woman's coming and testifying. She comes back from a cruise in Antarctica. She went to, she comes back alone. And she says, my husband died on the boat. We had a Leviah somewhere else. What do we say? The halacha is, we're permitting her to remarry. We're permitting her to collect her ksuba because as the husband wrote, whenever you're allowed to remarry, you get a ksuba. The husband's brothers, however, do not inherit the estate until... There's further testimony. Okay. That is the original part of the mission. Says the mission of Aitre. Ready for this? Let's say when she says her husband's dead, what, um, they're childless. So now the brother takes her in Yibum. He is going to take hold of the estate. Why? Because the Tyra says it goes hand in hand with the Yibum, similar to her taking the Ksu. Beautiful. A woman walks into Bezda and she says, my husband kicked the bucket. My husband's dead and therefore allow me to remarry. That's her words. Now, now keep, keep mind of how she's phrasing this. You ready? My husband died. Permit me to marry somebody else. We say, fine. Yeah, we trust you. You can remarry and you cut your ksuva. However, ready for this? A woman walks into Bezdin, and she doesn't say my husband's dead. You know what she says? 
Tenuli Ksuvasi. Give me my Ksuba because my husband died. Then we say, We say, You ain't getting no Ksuba and nor can you remarry. My Taima, why not? She's coming in with a one track mind, which is the money sign. What's she focusing on? She walks to the Besman, I want my Ksuba. Oh, it's all about the money? Eh. Let me tell you something, lady. You're going to have to wait till we, get, till we figure this thing out. So when she comes in and says, my husband died, I need to remarry, fine. But she says, my husband died and I want money, I want cash. We say, there's something weird going on. We're going to have to wait. They ask the question, searching for information. What if she says like this? My husband's dead. I would like to remarry and collect my ksuba. So she said both. Mahu, what's the halacha? Since she's mentioning money, right? So her, her mind is on the ksuba. Or maybe she's just walking into Besdin and just giving over all the ramifications of her husband dying, which is the permission to remarry as well as the ksuba. Right? We know this when you get in conversations, and this is specifically when kids have to call home to ask for more money from their parents. Right? You don't just say, hey, give me some cash. You say, how's it going? How's life? Uh, nah, 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 nah. And then you throw in, yeah, by the way, another, another uh, couple hundred bucks might be helpful. Right? So, right? So, uh, says the Gemara, you know, w- what's happening here? Is this just standard way of talking? Or is her, is her mind on the, on the money? Vim tim tzilaymer kol mili dishul inish omelulu beidin. And if you're going to say that we should actually give it to her, because whenever somebody walks into the basin, they're going to say everything with all the ramifications. Tenu liksu vas vichurli nasimai. What if she switched it around? Ready? She walks into the basin. She says, "My husband kicked the bucket. He's dead. He's six feet under. I want my ksuba and I want to remarry." So she flipped it around. She wasn't waiting for the ksuba card. She mentions it right away. Maybe there's more logic to say. That, listen, her mind seems to be on the cash, so we should not trust her. Or maybe we'll say, listen, you know why she's, uh, you know why she's talking about her ksuba? Because she's, you know, she's, she's not so sure you know, which part is going to allow her to remarry. Does it, is it the ksuba that has to do with her remarriage? Is it actually the death? She wasn't sure. To which the Gemara answers on both these questions, take the question stands, Tishbi yitaretz kushuz vabayis. Eliyahu Nabi is going to come, and Be'ez Hashem should be this evening. Baruch Hashem, Matzi Shabbos is the time of Geula. Right, that's how we sing Eliyahu Nabi on uh, Matzi Shabbos, because the Gemara tells us Eliyahu Nabi cannot come on Shabbos to, uh, to let us know, to herald in the coming of Mashiach. You know why not? Because he can't travel outside the Tchum. Remember, we learned this in Erevin. Can't travel outside the Tchum. So Eliyahu Nabi can come again for Mashiach on Matzi Shabbos, which is why Aliyah Anavi, we say Aliyah Anavi, Aliyah Tishbi, that's why we sing this, one of the reasons why we sing about Aliyah Anavi and, uh, and the Geula, and it's always worthwhile, every once in, not always, every once in a while it's worthwhile mentioning Teku, why is it Aliyah Anavi who's going to give us all the answers? What about Maishu Rabbeinu? What about Rabbi Akiva? A lot of Heligat Sadikim, Ga'inim and Torah, why Aliyah Anavi? So I believe it's the Marsha. Who says beautiful? He says that in the times of in, in the times of Mashiach, when Eliyahu is going to come give us the answers, he's the only one who's going to be allowed to paskin. As great as Moshe Rabbeinu was, great as Rabbi Akiva was, they never lived in our generation. 
And in order to paskin a shayla in our generation, you have to live in that generation. You have to, ha- you have to know the vibes, the culture, the metzias, the, intric- the, the delicate intricacies of the people of that dar. And Eliyahu Hanavi, who's been alive in every generation, will be the one to paskin all the shaylas. Not Rabbanim of previous dairis. Rabbanim in this, in this dar. That's teku. Tishbi yataris. So Eliyahu Hanavi is going to be the one to come and answer up all these questions. Beautiful. Okay, let's see the Mishnah Viter, right smack dab in the middle of Kuf Yudzayin Amir Aleph, says the Mishnah. Hakonam Anim Le'ida. Any, <laughs> this is awesome. Listen to this. Hold on. Hold on. We've got to introduce this Mishnah. Do you need two witnesses for a woman to remarry? No. However, however, why not? Because she's got to do her own research. We say, let one aide come, let one witness come, and then she'll do her own research. And hopefully, she won't mess up on her research. What if she does mess up? Remember, what happens? A witness comes and says, hey lady, your husband died in Antarctica. You can remarry. So she remarries. A month later, her husband comes prancing in through the door. What happens? So she's, a, she's in a lot of Taurus now. Right? She's in Taurus from her old husband. She's in Taurus from this new man who she thinks is her husband, but is not really her husband because she was already a married woman. She's going to be, her life's going to fall apart right now as far as relationship-wise. All right. So listen to this mission. This is Gvaldik. Hakol namonim leheida. Anybody who walks into Besdin and says, this guy died and the wife can remarry, is believed. With the exception of, ready for this? Chutz mechamaisa. Besides for her mother-in-law. We're about to give a list of people who hate this woman. Right? We're about to give people, a list of people who hate this woman. A mother-in-law is assumed to not be in the best relationship with a daughter-in-law. I said uh, over a joke at a Sheva Brachis, my mother-in-law didn't like it too much. But I said a joke at a Sheva Brachis, that when, when I got married, I bought my mother, my mother-in-law was there. So at the Shabbat where I was speaking. I said, I bought my mother-in-law a present. I bought her a, a, a handkerchief from Bloomingdale's. And I wrote a note. This is where the Schwigger sticks her nose. That, <laughs> that was my joke. So my mom didn't like it too much. I didn't do that, but that, that's a joke, right? Sometimes, sometimes you need a little bit of distance over here, <laughs> a, l- a little bit of separation. Mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, not you know the fight, uh, not always good. So a mother-in-law comes and says, "My son died, and the wife can remarry." We don't trust her because she's possibly not doing the proper research because she doesn't care too much if her daughter-in-law's relationship life gets messed up. Ubas Chamaisa, also her mother-in-law's daughter, because not only does the possible animosity exist from mother-in-law to daughter-in-law, but it might even extend to her, the mother-in-law's daughter, her husband's sister, okay? Vitsarasa or a co-wife, ready for this? A guy's married to two women. He goes, uh, he goes uh, on a business trip with one of, the, one of his wives, that wife comes back a week later. He's like, sorry. She tells the other wife, right? Me, Darais, you can marry two women. She tells the other wife, you know, our husband died. We don't trust her. You know why? 
because she might be setting up the other wife to marry another guy, then the husband's really alive, he comes back, and now she can't get back with the original husband, and now the, that wife who claimed that the husband's dead is the only wife, that was a whole setup. You hear this? That, that's the setup. The Yavimta, and also the wife of the Yavam. So you have um, her brother-in-law's wife comes and says, your husband died childless, and now you're falling in Yibam to my husband. Okay? Now, why would she do this? There's a whole, Tysus asks why she would do this. You know, why, well, you know if all it's going to do is bring this woman into her marriage world, why would she do such a thing? So Tysus says, because ultimately, maybe she just doesn't like her sister-in-law, and she's willing to undergo the short-term, you know, it's a aside, a short-term uh, uh, issue within her marriage in order to mess this lady up for the rest of her life, which is also a aside in people's this. Yeah, citing people's this and how we're not whether to, to trust people. Okay. And also Ubas Bala, also a person's stepdaughter. People very often, it's very hard, blended families. And a stepchild also is not going to be believed to say, to t- allow a woman to remarry. Because all these people, they may have ultimate, uh, they may have agendas. And even if they don't, we can't rely on them that they did the proper research. Mavin Get Lamisa, what's the difference? between somebody testifying that her husband gave her a get or somebody saying that the husband's dead, ultimately when somebody testifies about a get, whatever's written on the get, that is what's going to prove um, actually what exists. However, as opposed to death, there's really nothing written and there's a lot more reliance on the testimony. Okay, beautiful. Let's get into these relationships. Here we go. They asked the question searching for information. Bas Mahu. We said your mother-in-law's daughter is not believed. What about your father-in-law's daughter? The lady's father-in-law's daughter. Okay, so not her mother-in-law. She's from a half. You know, they're, they're, they had a half marriage. By that, by this time in Yavamas, we get this. We get this. How she could be the daughter-in-law, the daughter of the father-in-law, not the daughter of the mother-in-law. Fine. So, do we trust her? Time with the Bas Chamaisa, the reason why we don't trust the mother-in-law's daughter to say the husband died, Misham Deika, Ema Desanyale, because her mother hates this lady. She doesn't like the daughter-in-law, she doesn't get involved with the daughter-in-law. So it extends to her too. Hinami Sanyale, she also hates her. Maybe the, so maybe we only don't trust the daughter of the mother-in-law. But Vahacha, by the daughter of the father-in-law, Leka Ema Desanyale. There's no mother here who hates her. And maybe we should trust her. Or perhaps, the reason why we don't trust the mother-in-law's daughter is because of financial reasons. Okay, financial reasons. That maybe my mother brought some things into the, into the marriage and it's going to go to her son and then the wife is going to use up some of that nichsei malug or nichsei tzayim barzo, whatever it is, and hachanami. So too by the daughter of the father-in-law, the same logic would come into play. Which basically is like nowadays, it's not really an inheritance type of thing, but like I want this woman to kind of leave, get out of here so she's not messing with any money that's in the family. And we should not trust the father-in-law's daughter. That's the Shaila. So Gemara answers, Tashma, come and listen. Five women are not believed. And we gave a list of five women. What did we list in the Mishnah? The mother-in-law, the mother-in-law's daughter, the co-wife, the Yavam's wife, the stepdaughter. That's five. And if it would be true, says the Gemara of Emisa, if it would be true that we don't trust the daughter of the father-in-law either, that's six. So it must be, that we do trust the daughter of the father-in-law, we're not concerned. Says the Gemara, no, there's no proof. 
Maybe the reason why the, the daughter of the mother-in-law is, uh, is not believed is because she's nervous about the money being eaten up from the parents' home. In other words, the Gemara is just responding, maybe the daughter of the mother-in-law is just given as an example also inclusive of the daughter of the father-in-law. And it's not necessarily excluding her. Maybe there's an assumed inclusion because the logic would uh, the logic would connect both of them. The same logic of perhaps using up the family's finances applies both to the daughter of the mother-in-law, daughter of the father-in-law. Hence, just put them in the same category. She's also one of the five. Okay, Gavaldik. Period. Says the Gemara Vaiter. Vahatanya. But we learned in Abraisa. Okay, so now the Gemara is now extending. Our Mishnah gave a list of five women that are not trusted to say the husband died. The Gemara now says, whoa, there's a Brisa, same time as the Mishnah, same era, can argue. The Brisa lists seven women. Seven women are not trusted to believe. So is it five or is it seven? Answer the Gemara, he, Rabbi Yudah, he, that Brisa is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. What is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda? Let's get into this. The Tanya we learned in Abraisa, Rabbi Yudah, Maisif, Rabbi Yudah says, even a stepmother is not believed. And the daughter-in-law of a woman is also not believed because the same way this lady, possible widow, doesn't get along with her mother-in-law and her mother-in-law might hate her, so too, her own daughter, she's the mother-in-law of a daughter-in-law. Her, if her daughter-in-law comes testifies, they don't like each other either. So we don't trust that daughter-in-law. Amrulai, the Chum argue on Rabbi Yehuda. Now the Chum are the town of Armishra that say five, right? They say no. That a stepmother, we agree is not believed, but that's not its own category. She's not believed for the same reason of a stepdaughter. Kala Hare Bakal Khamaisa. And a daughter-in-law is also going to be included in the category of Bas Chamaisa. So interestingly, this is, this is such a beautiful um, you know, a, a breakdown where they're not arguing on halacha. They're arguing on the counting of the halacha. Is this five categories or is it seven categories? For Rabbi Yehuda, what's your beauty going to say? Rabbi Yehuda is going to say no. It makes sense a mother-in-law hates a daughter-in-law because her mother-in-law says, listen, I brought all this stuff into the marriage. My son's going to inherit, let's say, that money. And, my da- and this daughter-in-law is going to be using the money at the mall. But why would a daughter-in-law hate the mother-in-law? She's not getting any money. The mother-in-law is not taking any money away from her. Also, when it comes to a stepdaughter, she might not like her stepmother because she's saying, oh, my stepmother, she's using up my father's finances that I could possibly inherit. But a stepmother, to hit a stepdaughter, watch it, she's getting the money first, right? She's got, the stepmother's got more access to the credit card than the stepdaughter does. So why would you... Um, so says Rabbi Yehuda, each one has its own category, and it's seven categories. Says the Gemara, Elamai, Maisif Tarti, Elamai, rather, what are you going to say? Maisif uh, Tarti, why is he adding them together, if really they, they have similar logic? Elakala, my time is on the Chamaisif, says Rabbi Yehuda like this. What's the reason that a daughter-in-law doesn't get along with the mother-in-law, the Megalavna, called the Avda, because... Sometimes a mother-in-law gets a little overprotective, sticks her nose into the wrong place. She takes it out of her handkerchief and sticks it into the kid's marriage, unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she doesn't like the way that uh, the daughter-in-law is uh, treating her, 
her Hela uh, Gesson, who's the next Rav Shach, you know? Eishas Av Nami, and when it comes to Eishas Av as well, Sonny Labasabal, the Megalavia, called Av, though she doesn't like her stepdaughter, because you know what the stepdaughter does? The stepdaughter finds every problem with the stepmother and tells it to her father, the lady's husband. Right? She says, why are you marrying this lady? She's weird. Right? She doesn't, it, whatever it is. So Mamela, they, they, don't, they don't get along, and that's why there's this natural animosity that's going to exist between them. Verabonan, what are the going to say? What does the Pasuk say? Beautifully, we know this. And that is, the same way when a person looks in the water, he sees his own reflection. They say it like this. You know why a, a, a daughter-in-law doesn't like a mother-in-law? Only because the mother-in-law doesn't like the daughter-in-law. If somebody doesn't like you, you don't like them back. If somebody likes you, you do like them back. As I is, just the way it works. We shared in Shul the other week, a Misa that happened three weeks ago. Right? This, we shared this in the Drusha two weeks ago. A story that happened on this year, Erev Shavuos. We'll say it in a nutshell. There's a, the two women got into a little bit of a sikhsuch, a little bit into a debacle. They, they moved into a new community that was built like 10 years ago in Eretz Yisrael. They used to hang out Shabbos afternoon, watch their kids play in the street. They shared like a little patch of grass between their, between their homes. One day a woman gets up early, she's going to work, and she sees her neighbors putting up a privacy fence where they always sat and watched their kids, taking it as a sign of stay out of my business. And that's really what it was. The other woman really just, she was like done, whatever. For whatever reason, she didn't know why. It's, it turns out they stop liking each other. They don't, every time they pass each other, it's weird, it's awkward, and their neighbors, like they're not getting along. It's not, it's really not happening. This, this went on for two years. This, this year, the week before Shavuos, right? Shavuos this year fell out of Mazi Shabbos. Week before Shavuos, this lady's had enough. She's had enough. It's, it's, too, it's, it's too hard to not get along with your neighbor. She's, she's making herself a couple cheesecakes a few days before Shavuos. She's like, I'm going to throw in a third cheesecake, write my neighbor a note that I'm, you know, I don't know what led to this, but like I'm done. I really want to get back together with her. I feel terrible. She throws three cheesecakes two days before Yom Tif into the oven. The Satan is not going for Shalom. Right? The Satan doesn't go for this. Machlaikas comes knocking at our door. Shalom doesn't come knocking at our door. You have to look for Shalom. So the Satan doesn't want this. Anyway, she's putting her kid to bed. All three cheesecakes burn. Fine. Seder. She tells her husband, go to the store, buy me some, you get me some new ingredients. I got to make some more cheesecakes. The husband says, I'm too tired. I did. So they can't go. Fine. Doesn't go. Next morning is Erev Yom Tif. And she wakes up early to buy the ingredients. She starts putting it together. There's a knock on her door. She opens the door. It's a mishloach. It's a delivery from a boutique cheesecake store in Eretz Yisrael with a fancy schmancy cheesecake from her husband. Telling her how much he cares for her and all that she does eh? and wishing her a good Yom Tif. Fine. She's very taken. She calls up her husband to thank him. How thought he's at work, how thoughtful, eh? beautiful. And she really wants to take a piece of cake, a piece of cheesecake. She's like, I'm going to save for Kiddush on Shavuos. I'll save for Kiddush. Okay. Yeah, she's going to save for Kiddush. She puts it into the, she, she puts it into the, Fridge. Fine. She gets back to the kitchen. There's another knock on her door. She opens it up. It's her neighbor. Her neighbor who she's not getting along with is standing there holding a cheesecake. Holding a cheesecake. With a note. Telling her how sorry she is and she wants to, she wants to reconcile the differences. And her jaw drops. That's exactly what her plan was except she has nothing to give back. What's she going to do? 
right? Make a cheesecake now and show up at her neighbor at her neighbor's door in three hours and look like a parakeet. Whatever you do, I do. It looks looks weird. So her jaw drops and she says, "You beat me by a minute." And she goes to her fridge. She pulls out this boutique cheesecake that her husband sent her with fancy flowers and everything on it. Ala Pichovkis, everything on it. She takes her note that she wrote out the day before, expecting to have it ready, t- attaches it, and hands it to her neighbor. She's like, I can't believe it. Like, I had this cake prepared for you. You beat my incredible. Fine. She gives it to her. She goes back to the kitchen like, okay. Feeling great that she did this, except feeling terrible she gave away her husband's cheesecake. She calls up her husband to tell him. He's like, don't worry, you did the right thing. Is that Fine. Half hour later, there's a knock on her door. Mishloach, delivery. Same boutique cheesecake factory. Uh, the same exact cake being delivered again with a note from her husband telling her how much he cares for her. And she's like, my husband's too much. Oh, what a guy. What a guy. Yeah, he's like, mama, yeah. Fine. She doesn't want to bother him again. He comes home from work and he sees the cheesecake. He says, I thought you gave away the cheesecake. She says, I did, but you sent me another one. He's like, I never sent you another one. I'm not that good. You know, like, I can't pull that off. Turns out, he calls up the cheesecake store. They made a mistake. Two, he made the, the, the arrangement like a week before. By mistake, they put it in double into the computer. And they sent an extra cheesecake. So the lady says, first of all, that's, that's the mice. Okay, it took me more than a minute. But the, the lady says, just the miracles that happened, that the Mishloach came like a couple minutes before this lady knocks on her door. She had the note already written the day before, so she didn't look like a fool having to start writing a note now. The biggest miracle she says is, the biggest miracle she says is that she didn't eat a piece of cake right away, which is what she wanted to do, but then she wouldn't have been able to give it to her neighbor. And then the, everything's doubled up. Whatever. But the bottom line is, what you see from here is, Kemayim panim lepanim. The, you, you, you start having feelings of, of goodness towards somebody, they have feelings of goodness back to you. You have feelings of, of dislike towards somebody, even if you don't see them, they'll start having good feelings coming back to you. And that's what the Rabbanim say. That's why the Rabbanim say, you know why a daughter-in-law doesn't like a mother-in-law? Because a mother-in-law doesn't like a daughter-in-law. That's why. You don't need any other reason besides for that. That's not. They say no. They say that pasuk is is written in the Torah, and therefore, kemayim panim lepanim has to do with with words of Torah. It doesn't necessarily have to do with uh, with people's feelings, and hence we need a reason for a daughter-in-law to not like a mother-in-law. You can't just rely on that pasuk. Okay. Period. Amr Ravach Baravya says, Boy that's a question, searching for information in Mahu, what is the halacha of a woman who is testifying about the mother-in-law of who she let's say she was engaged. She's not her mother-in-law yet. She's gonna be her mother-in-law. Do we believe that testimony? Do we say that um, that uh, She's thinking that, oh, there's the possibility of the husband dying and then she'll become, um, she's going to become the uh, Yavam. Or do we say that such a, such a nervousness uh, is not entering her mind? So the Gemara answers, come and listen. Omra, she says, If a woman says, my husband... Um, 
She says, my husband died, and then my father-in-law died. She's let her remarry and take her But her mother-in-law is not allowed to remarry. Meaning, she's allowed to testify about her own status. We don't rely on her to testify about her mother-in-law's status. My time, why don't we trust her about her mother-in-law's status? Isn't it because we're concerned that maybe nobody died here? And this that she's saying it, who she's giving all this testimony because maybe she'll wait to remarry. She wants her mother-in-law to remarry and completely mess her up. And she'll say, ah, you know, whenever my husband comes back, um, you know, at least, uh, you know, at least she'll leave me alone. The bottom line is, we see from here that we had a question. What if it's it's a future mother-in-law? You see from over here that if there's no dislike right now, a woman's not thinking so far in the future. So maybe you have a proof that the actually testimony would be okay for a future uh, mother-in-law. So Umar says, no. Doma, maybe Shani Hasam. That case is different. Deragish la tsara. Maybe, you know, they already started bothering her at this, uh, you know, at, at, at this time. Meaning, the mother already already uh, drove her crazy. And even though right now there's no real issues in their relationship, she's concerned there's going to be issues again, and it's still worthwhile to possibly mess the mother up. Now, let's let's you know let's pause before we get into the next mission. This is you know this is so profound in in how we interact and deal with others. Not only what people could do, which is dumb for themselves just to mess somebody else up. Like, what do you have to gain? What do you have to gain? There's so many things people do to hurt someone else. Like for what? And there's so many times where we can help people easily. Doesn't cost us a dime, right? Right? Give somebody a compliment. You say something positive about somebody, and we're so hesitant to do it. But this is human nature, and we have to understand human nature so that we understand not only how society works and how people work for ourselves, but how we work. We have to realize if we're ever in a relationship with a mother-in-law, with a daughter-in-law, with a step-relative and so on and so forth, there's this nat, there is a pull that the Chachamim are letting us to be aware about to be a mensch. And, and realize that there, there is a natural urge to dislike, and therefore you got to work more on that. Be aware, be knowledgeable. Knowledge is, is, is the best way to, to be aware and, and help ourselves in how we react to relationships and our midos. Okay. Next mission. A, a witness comes and says, her husband died, so she remarries. Another witness now comes and says, no, by the way, your husband never died. She does not need to leave the second man who she's with. That's what it seems right now. We'll translate it like that. We actually quoted this mission in the Masechta. If one witness says your husband died, and then two witnesses say he didn't die, even though she married on the Eid Achad, and she was allowed to, now the two witnesses are saying he didn't die, the Allah is, she has to leave. She can't stay. We're assuming right now, I mean, she cannot stay with the second husband. Two witnesses say he died. 
and she remarries with strong testimony. Not a leniency because of Aguna. Strong testimony. Then one witness comes and says, no, he didn't die. Even if she hasn't yet remarried, you can go remarry. I, one eight said it's not true. It doesn't matter. Two witnesses says you can remarry. You can still remarry. Time of Denise says, Gemara, if you look at the mission, it says one witness says you die, he died, and then one witness says he didn't. She could stay with him. Says Gemara, it seems to imply, let's say she never remarried yet. You can't remarry. Time of Denise says, hold on, he says, let's say she didn't remarry based upon the testimony of one guy. Like Tina says, seems she's not let her remarry. Says, if a Torah says you can rely on one test on one witness, one one uh, testimony of one person, it's considered two. It's strong. And therefore, even if somebody else comes and contradicts you, you um, it, it, it doesn't matter. Okay, so let's go to the first case of our Mishnah. What do we say in the Reisha? An Eidachar comes and says he died. What happens immediately? He's like two Adam. So now another witness comes and says he didn't die. You know what the should be? She can still remarry. Even if she's not married yet. Let her remarry. You know why? Because as soon as the Eid Echad is believed, that's like two witnesses. And now you have an, one more witness saying he didn't die. We don't care that you're an Eid Echad. We're not accepting your testimony in the first place. You're coming against two witnesses. So the Gemara is asking, why does the Mishnah say once she remarried? Then she doesn't leave. Why doesn't the Mishnah say instead, even if before she remarries, in Eid Echad says he didn't die, she can still remarry. So Gemara says, This is really what a Mishnah means to say. If one witness says he died, and we paskin, she can remarry. She can still remarry in the future. The Gemara is answering, You are correct. It not only. If she remarried, does she not need to leave? Even if there was a psak to remarry, she's allowed to stay. She's allowed to remarry. If one aide says that he died, and then two witnesses say he didn't die, so we said she has to leave. We thought it was the second husband. Well, let's see. Yeah, we know that's obvious, right? What does the first one help? Two people are arguing on him. We're talking about psule edas, people who in general would be posel edas, people who we uh, wouldn't trust in general. For example, who gives testimony uh, to remove a woman from being an aguna? It could be a woman, it could be a... In general, you need two proper kosher witnesses. You can't have a relative, you can't have a woman. Where does the Torah say we trust one witness? Um, I lost the place, I'm sorry. You follow You follow most of what's being said, most uh, uh, opinions. And therefore, two women who come and testify about one man, it's considered, it's like two men coming to testify about one man. And therefore, even if you have psulei edus, says Reb Nechemia, testifying against a somebody who would be a kosher aid, and even if she already remarried, we should say, you're obligated to leave the second husband. Or if you want, you could say, whenever um, in a kosher aid echad, 
comes and testifies, and then even a hundred women who come to argue on him are only considered in Eidechad, and we're not going to force her to leave. Brother, here's what happened. First, you had a woman testify. So in general, that's not going to be a kosher testimony. But first, she did that. Okay? And now, somebody else is coming, who's Pasal Eidus, to argue on that. Rebbechemia says like this, and explain Rebbechemia as follows. And therefore we treat two women who are arguing against one woman, like two men arguing against one man. Now who's going to, who are you going to listen to when you have two witnesses against one witnesses by men? The, obviously the two witnesses. But you have two, two women witnesses arguing against an aid echad of a man, then we say it's like 50-50. Okay? And therefore, um, one is not going to necessarily override the other, which means if there's already a psak in place by the Bezdin, whoever comes afterwards is not going to be able to overturn that psak. Period. Two dots. Shnayim Aymrim Meis Vichulu. If two witnesses say he died, and then somebody else comes say he didn't die, what's the halacha? We don't listen to the Echad. We already said it's okay. My Kamar Zigmar, what's the Kiddush? Of course. Two witnesses. That's it. And if you're going to tell me, maybe the Kiddush is, even if the people who are usually not kosher Eidus, still we're going to accept them. So Hainu we already had that. You know, we, we already uh, had that Kiddush. What, what's the added Kiddush over here? Where it says, I would have thought to say, where do we follow most minds, more people testi- you know, testifying? That's the Chumrah. That's to create... A chumra but to be lenient, lay will say maybe you don't follow most uh, minds, more people. Kamashulon, therefore the mission lets us know that we follow Raiv Deis um, even uh, of Psule Edus, even people who usually wouldn't be Kasher Edus, a woman, uh, whatever, right? Uh, a relative, uh, an Eved, even if it's gonna be lenient over here to allow her to uh, to marry somebody else, we're still going to follow. Rive days. Period. End of that Gemara. Let us learn the next Mishnah, get to the top of tomorrow's daf, and then we will hold it here for this evening. Here we go. Says the Mishnah. Okay. If let's say one woman says, my husband died, and another woman says, my husband did not die. Now what does this mean? Rashi tells us, Shnei Noshim Tzoreis. You have two women, they're co-wives, they go overseas with their husband, and they both come back. One's claiming the husband dies, we would usually trust her, except that her co-wife is saying, no, he didn't. Fascinating case. We're, we believe a woman say her husband died, but over here, the co-wife is saying, no, he didn't. Zusha Meres the woman who claims her husband's dead, so she can remarry somebody else and collect her ksuba. And the other co-wife who claims her husband didn't die. Okay, so wait for your husband to come back. Wait for your husband to come back. You're still married. One wife says he died. Another one says he didn't die in the usual way. He was shot. Somebody killed him. So they both agree he's dead. They both, they both agree he's dead. The question is how? Okay. 
says Reb Meir, neither of them, neither of them can remarry. Why? Why? Says the Gemara like this. I mean, it says the Mishnah like this. Since they're being machish each other, we know for a fact, we know for a fact that at least one is lying and they could possibly both be lying. If there's a possibility of them both lying, nobody can remarry. In the first case, one could be lying and one's not lying. And one of them is, one of them, the guy's either alive or dead. So one's telling the truth. In this case, they're not possibly both telling the truth. Maybe the guy's even alive. So if Mayor holds, and the Gemara will get into this, if Mayor holds, no, they can't, neither can remarry. Bottom line is, they both say he's dead, even though they're arguing about it, they, they're both allowed to remarry. Okay. Now, um, as the Gemara will get into, the Machlekes really has to do with whether each woman is, we can view it as separate testimony or whether we have to kind of mush their testimonies together. Remember, it says you have to mush it together. And then since there's a possibility of both being of lying, you can't accept it. But if you separate it, that's the pin of rebuke. Okay, we'll explain the Gemara, Mr. Shem. Um, Let's say an Eid Echad says he died. Another aide says he didn't die. Top of Kufir Chesam and Aleph. Isha Emeris Meis, Isha Emeris Lemeis. Or a woman says he died, a woman says he didn't die. Harezu loy tinase. Then we don't allow her to remarry. Why? Because, as Rashi points out, there was no psak yet. See, in the previous Mishnayas, you have a woman coming. We gave her ruling. You can remarry. Okay. Once there's ruling, you can remarry. If an Eid Echad comes afterwards, that's not going to change anything. But over here, they're both coming. Before a ruling is given. One says he's dead. The other one says, no, 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 no. He's not dead. There's no psak yet. So now we don't know who to listen to. They kind of knock each other off. There's no testimony. And the woman is not allowed to remarry. We'll hold it here for today. Best time pick up from the Gemara tomorrow morning, 9.30. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, everybody.